I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we indeed thank you this morning for your grace, for your love, for your son, Jesus Christ. And as we come to hear the word of God, our minds are open. Our hearts are ready. And I thank you today that every stronghold that exists in our lives will dissipate as the faith from your word enters into our very being. And Lord, I pray for everyone that's here and I pray that when we leave today, we will leave with a perspective that nothing bad ever happens to us because you work all things together for our good. And so I pray that you will help me articulate the oracles of God in the name of Jesus. And I declare that as I decrease and you increase and as I step back, you step forward, that signs, miracles, and wonders will follow the word in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen, Amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm excited today because I have an opportunity to share what I call a shotgun message. A shotgun message is a message that's not part of a series. It's just one of those messages that was on my heart and I just, I just get to shoot you with it. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you better put on your bulletproof vest right now. And today I'm sharing a message that I believe can position you to receive God's best for your life at all times. It will also expose Satan's number one tool that he uses to defeat the average believer. And then the goal of today's message is to help you and I identify how persecution works so that you can increase manifestation in your life. And so I want you to open your heart and get ready to move forward in an accelerated way. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write down today's topic, which is overcoming persecution. Overcoming persecution. And I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 15, verses 20. And then I want you to find 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. I'll say those again. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 15, verses 20, and then 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12. And before we read our passages of Scripture this morning, I'd like to destroy a myth that I believe people have about persecution. I believe the biggest myth regarding persecution is that if I live right, and if I do right most of the time, I will never experience persecution or difficult times as a believer. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a lie. Now look at him again and say, are you calling me a liar? 
I believe the biggest myth regarding persecution is if I live right or if I do right most of the time, I will never experience persecution or difficult times as a believer. And I'm going to show you through today's lesson, not only is that false, God wants to use persecution as a platform to push you forward. Amen. Now, go to John chapter 15, verse 20, and this is what it says. Now, remember this now. Let's just read the verse. It says, remember the word that I said unto you. This is Jesus talking. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they have kept my sayings, they will keep your sayings. This was Jesus Christ saying, he says, remember, which means that we can forget. He said, remember, first of all, that if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. In other words, persecution is a part of the Christian experience. Now, when you look up the word uh, persecution, it actually means, and I'm going to give you the definition, I'm going to say it fast. Uh, so if you're taking notes, you may not get them all, but you can go back and, uh, and review them. But there are two main Bible definitions for the word persecution. It means to make one run. It means to flee or put to flight. It also means to harass somebody. It means to trouble or here's a good one. It means to accuse somebody. In a religious sense, it means to trouble someone who is striving toward a spiritual goal. And we wonder why when we start obeying God's word, sometimes we wonder why things start going backwards. It's designed to go backwards to see if you believe what you believe. Because persecution, the goal of it is to make you run. The goal of it is to make you go backwards. The, the goal of it is to put you to flight and to harass you to the point that you will just walk away from what you say you believe. Amen. So what Jesus was actually saying, if we take that definition, he was saying, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted and troubled me as I have achieved my spiritual purpose, then they are going to trouble you as you achieve your spiritual purpose. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 quickly. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12. I just want to give you an idea of what persecution is. It's bigger than just somebody talking to talking about you. It's bigger than just somebody accusing you. It's different than just somebody hating on you. It, it, it is so big in its totality that persecution involves anything that will cause you to think about moving away from standing on, on faith. If the devil knows that your car breaking down is going to cause you to desert what you believe and go, watch this, and go not in the, in the direction of faith, but move in the direction of fear, then he's going to use your car to persecute you. Amen. 
Second Timothy chapter three, verse 12 says, yes. And all that will live what? Come on, class. That li- will live godly in Christ Jesus. Read it with me. Shall suffer. He said, if you are a believer and you are striving to live like Jesus Christ, he didn't say you might suffer uh, persecution. He said you shall suffer persecution. Basically, what he is saying is those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer trouble, be harassed, and cause you to want to flee and even be accused. That's what he's saying. And I'm going to show you through today's lesson that many of us never reach the prosperity level on the material level because we can't handle persecution. Okay, let me just keep going because I'm I'm going to prove that point. Doesn't it sound like to, to you that being persecuted is part of the Christian package? So just look at your neighbor and say, get used to it. Amen. So here's my first point. If you're taking notes, I only have three this morning. Here's the first point. Persecution has a purpose. Persecution has a purpose. And, and, and here's just my, my whole take on this. You can let it demote you or you can use it to promote you. I'm going to say that again. Persecution, you can either let it demote you or you can use it to promote you. Here's a take home statement that I want you to write down. If you don't get it, I want you to listen to this over and over and over again through the podcast, through our phone app, or just purchasing the CD. But here's a take home statement. The purpose for persecution is to steal the word that you've heard so it won't take root and bear fruit. I'm going to say that again. The purpose for persecution is to steal the word that you have heard so it won't take root and bear fruit. That's the bottom line of persecution. Persecution is designed to dig that word up that you have heard and have planted in your heart. Because, see, if the word stays inside of you, it is going to take root. And if the word takes root, I guarantee you, you will see some fruit. And that's why so many people end up getting uprooted from places where God has called them. Here you are enjoying your job and you allowing one person to get on your nerve to the point that you are going to leave a place where God's planted you. I see it happen in churches. You know, people allow, they listen to people. And let me say, one of the things that persecution does is, and it comes in, in, in forms, and I'll share that with you, but the, the, its whole design is to uproot you so you can't produce fruit. And fruit is just not for others, it's for you. Amen. The enemy's job is to use persecution to intimidate, frustrate or eliminate you from obeying God's word and his purpose for your life. But God wants to use the persecution to promote you and to prosper you. Now go to Acts chapter 8 quickly. Go to Acts chapter 8. I have a lot to cover and I'm going to cover it in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 8 because see, I learned this one. Because when you become a pastor, you have to have thick skin. 
Because people are always going to have their opinion about you in one way or another. I mean, if I, if I rode on a bicycle, somebody would criticize me. What? He got that big church and he can't even afford a car? All he doing is riding a bicycle? I ain't going to that church. Then you drive a nice car. I don't know about that, Pastor. He driving a nice car. I ain't going to that church. Well, my thing is, you're going to talk about me, so I might as well enjoy what I'm driving. And you know what? They're going to persecute you, so you might as well enjoy the journey. My wife in heaven bought me a t-shirt, and I wear it every week. It says, haters are going to hate. I looked at heaven Friday. I said, heaven, haters hate, but winners celebrate. Celebrate somebody today. In Acts chapter 8, look in verse 1. It says, as Saul was consenting unto his death. And at the time, there was a great persecution. Everybody say a great persecution. There was a great persecution or troubling against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all what? Scattered abroad. Because one of the purposes that the enemy wants to use persecution is to scatter people. See, God uses persecution to gather, but the enemy uses persecution to scatter. And if you notice here, persecution caused them to be scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. But I want to, I want you to see something. It says, except the apostles. It made everybody run and scatter except for those who had a relationship in a close way with Jesus. They had not only spent three years with him. They saw him die and be raised from the dead. And experienced him after his death. So in their mind they said you can run but I ain't. You can be scared but I'm not. Amen. And I love, you can just write this down. I love Acts chapter 20, verses 22. It says, and now, this was Paul when he was Saul. He said, well, he was converted to Paul. He says, and now, behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me, except that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. He said, you know what? I'm not going to allow what I'm experiencing to bother me at all. He said, you know, none of these things move me. Because, see, he knew the secret of what persecution was all about. Because persecution can either demote you or promote you. And it depends on how you respond to it. And that's why he said, none of this moved me. My car can't break it down. That's not going to move me. My finances acting up right. That's not going to move me. My husband acting right or wrong ain't going to move me. My wife not cooking, not going to move me. Somebody's struggling right now. I wish this woman would cook more. She used to cook more than what she did. But are you going to let that promote you or demote you? 
Because persecution is anything that you let get under your skin. Amen. Now, what's, what's, what's interesting is this. We are the body of Christ. The Bible says, and members in particular. In other words, we are part of the church. And because now Jesus is the head of the church and we as people make up the body of Christ, when we are persecuted, Jesus takes it personally. Go to Acts chapter 7 quickly. Go to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. When we are persecuted, you don't have to protect yourself. Jesus takes persecution to you personally. It was like growing up. I was too little to fight, but I had a whole lot of big people around me. So I act like I could fight because I didn't have to. And talk all kind of smack to you. They'd be like. I remember one time we were riding down the highway and somebody cut me off, you know, because I, I didn't like people that drove crazy. So, you know, back in the day, they had these BB guns that looked like real guns. I had one under my seat. And this person pulled in front of me, and I pulled my BB gun out. And my cousin, who was with me at the time, who did most of my fighting, was like, boy, put that up. They might have a real gun. (laughs) Watch this now. Where I tell you to go. Acts chapter 7, look at verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed their teeth on him. But he being full, this was Stephen. But he being full of the Holy Ghost, he looked up steadfastly into heaven. And watch this. And saw the glory of God. And Jesus was doing what? He was a sitting. He was standing on the right hand of God. This is the first time mentioned in scripture that it talked about Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Because he was experiencing one of his men being persecuted. It says he was standing on the right hand of God and said, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man, he was standing on the right hand of God. When When the devil is using persecution against us, Jesus is standing. He ain't sitting. He's saying, oh, oh, no, no weapon formed against them is going to prosper. Oh, I'm inside of them. And because I am greater is he that's in me than in them that's great in in, in the world. he's, He's for us. In Acts chapter 9, verse 4, it says, And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I want you to see that when we experience persecution, it's not just us experiencing it. It's Jesus experiencing it. And if he's experiencing it, he has the power and the authority to get us out of it. Amen. So point number two is this. Persecution has a process. It has a purpose, but it also has a process. And here it is. Persecution starts on the outside with the goal of working its way on the inside. Persecution starts on the outside. Somebody talking about you. 
Somebody lying on you. Somebody, you know, uh, uh, trying to manipulate what's going on and uh, telling your boss lies about you and uh, or things. He said, it happens on the outside, but the goal of persecution is to work its way on the inside. And sometimes when God is moving you forward, you will sometime encounter adversaries. Just write down 1 Corinthians 16, 9. It's, this is what Paul said. He says, for a great door and effectual is open to me. And he says, but there are many adversaries. When God is moving you forward and you start experiencing opposition, that ain't the time to cry. That's not the time to back down. That's not the time to quit. That's not the time to question God. That's the time to stand up and say, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Remember now, the purpose of persecution is to steal the word that you've heard. So it won't take root and bear some fruit. So how does this process work? Here's how it works. God will give you a promise. And see, there are several ways God can give you a promise. The primary way that God gives you a promise is through his word. And sometimes the promise will come through a prophecy. Somebody prophesy over you. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will give you a promise. He'll, he'll, put, he'll put a dream in your heart. He'll put something that, he, uh, that you desire to do. He puts it deep down on the inside. And just remember though, if he puts something in your heart, it's going to agree with the word. Okay, so if you see somebody who's married and you feel that God told you that you're going to marry them, that ain't the Holy Spirit. That's dirty flesh. That's all that is. Not Holy Spirit, dirty flesh. So the first thing that happens, God will give us a promise. After he gives us a promise, our job is to then make that promise personal. It can't be, oh, for I'm the Lord thy God and I heal it them. It has to be for I'm the Lord thy God and I heal living. It can't be greater is he that is in them. It has to be greater is he that is in. It can't be if God be for them. It has to be if God be for me and who can be against me. You have to make the promise personal. Everybody say personal. And this is how you make it personal. You make it personal by applying your faith to what God said. You say, well, Pastor, how do I apply my faith? I'm glad you asked me. There are four things you do to apply your faith. I hear my thing messing up again. Four things that you do to apply your faith. Number one, you have to intake the word. Everybody say intake. You have to intake the word. Well, how do you intake the word? Just like you intake food. You open your mouth and you eat it. Well, how do you intake the word? You open your ears and you hear it. Because faith comes by how? Hearing. But see, guess what? Everybody who hears the word do not experience the promise because they don't do the next step. After you intake the word, you have to then meditate on the word. Just like you meditate on slapping somebody who made you mad. 
You have to meditate on the word day and night. Because when you meditate on it, it becomes a part of your system. It becomes, listen, living water in your veins. And as you meditate on it, then you must now saturate the word. There's a difference between meditation and saturation. Meditation is just me thinking about it. Saturation is me drowning in it. Where I get to the point that I think nothing different than what I have heard. Because see, some of us, we experience persecution and it make us go all the way back. You have, I'm talking to somebody right now. You, you've been married before. Okay, so this is your second marriage. And every time he does something, I'm talking to somebody. I look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to somebody right now. Every time he says something or does something that looks like or is familiar with something you experienced in your other marriage, here you go, in your mind, I knew I shouldn't have married him. I knew, you ain't saying it out loud because you got too many bills. You not that crazy. You better keep those thoughts to yourself. Man, you got to saturate yourself with that word. I mean, if somebody stuck a needle in me, you know what's going to come out? Red, because the pages of what Jesus said is red. If they, if I was in the hospital and I woke up by, by his stripes, I'm healed. I don't even know why I'm here. Well, Pat, uh, uh, Mr. Connor, we, we diagnosed this. Well, the word says, amen. After you saturate yourself in the word, then you got to communicate the word because faith comes by hearing, but it's released by what you say. So now you got to just not think about it and be meditating on it. You got to say it out loud. You got to walk around saying, Lord, I thank you for my new car. You know, Lisa Fuller, someone hit her and, and uh, they, they hit her and, and, the, and the insurance company. First of all, the people said they had insurance and they didn't. So her insurance had to take it up and they said, oh, we can fix the car. And so she called me about it. I was out of town when she had the accident. And she was like, well, Pastor, I want a new car anyway. And then they called her back and said, well, your car's total, ma'am. Now she's upset. What? <laughs> you upset that they said it's total? You the one that says you wanted a new car? <laughs> Man, you got to communicate the promises. You got to say what you want so you can have what you say. And you can't back down from it. You say, well, Pastor, I don't see it. You don't have to see it. Keep saying it and you'll see it. I mean, it works in the negative. Keep calling your husband a dog and watch you start getting pleased. I mean, if it can work in the negative, it can work in the positive. But see, here's the problem. In between the intake process and the meditate, meditation process, this is where persecution comes in. In other words, once we hear that word, between hearing the word and begin to meditate on the word, persecution comes. Because he knows if the word gets rooted, 
then you're going to see some fruit. Now, go to Genesis chapter 3. Oh my gosh, I am out of time. What time is it? Okay, we got to stop. I'm sorry, I got to stop. I can't keep going. I have another service after this one. Y'all want to just cover Genesis? Okay, all right, let's just finish that one, and I'll finish this next week, okay? I didn't think it was that much of a lesson, but I guess I lied to myself. Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3. See, between God speaking and you experiencing, you're going to have some persecution. In Genesis chapter 3, that's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve in verse 1 of chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle, more tricky, more sly than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, what did he do? And that's how the enemy starts persecution with words. A little word here, a little word there. And if you're not smart, you'll do what Eve did. Instead of taking authority over what was said, she started having a conversation with it. And what ends up happening, which is where I'm going to start next week, deception can be produced through persecution. And deception is real because deception will cause you to see something that ain't there. There's a scripture in the New Testament that says that those who don't believe, their minds have been blinded by the enemy. And that's the reason the gospel has not reached their heart yet. That's a form of persecution. And I believe there are some people in here in the middle of a, you're in the middle of a fight. You're being persecuted in some kind of way. And God is saying, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't believe the lie. Because that's what happened to Eve. She believed the lie. And when she believed the lie, she acted on the lie. And I want to challenge those of you who are here. Some of y'all, you was feeling okay about your, your job before some of your co-workers stuff. You was feeling okay about the friendship that you had with this person until they or the friends start. You were feeling okay about your marriage before you saw somebody else's marriage. And, and Where's the devil trying to talk to you and deceive you? Every head bowed and every eye closed. You may be here this morning and you've never...